we're going to join in our first hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. Let's worship together. So a welcome to you all. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service of communion. Uh, it's wonderful to be gathered together. Uh, this morning in, back in St. Matthew's Church, we've moved into the main sanctuary this morning, uh, a, a bit more space to operate, hopefully the technology. And it's wonderful for you to be able to join us. I'm going to be sharing God's word later on in this season of Lent. And uh, it's wonderful to be able to gather together. Do hope you'll be able to uh, join with us, continued in fellowship this week. We have our morning coffee morning. And also we have our, uh, that's on a Wednesday morning, welcome to join us by Zoom. It's a wonderful opportunity to connect with other people and with friends and family. Do invite others. And also, particularly this week, just want to draw attention to the prayer uh, evenings that we have Monday right the way through till next weekend, till Sunday, seven nights of prayer again for the month. Thinking particularly of charities uh, that many of us are connected to between nine and 10 in the evening. It'd be wonderful. You can join by Zoom. You don't have to have your camera on. You can just sit and listen and reflect. Join us for the whole hour or for part of that. As we begin our service this morning, I'm just going to pray for us before we begin our service. Let's take a moment and pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new day. We thank you for technology when it works. We thank you for the ability to be able to connect from our homes, wherever we may be. And we thank you that your grace is new every morning. Lord, would you watch over us and guide us and guard us and hold us close in this season. God of unfailing love and mercy, we look to you and thank you for your grace. Amen. As we prepare our hearts in worship, it's just a great opportunity to uh, yield our hearts and come to him to recognise the faults in our own hearts, the things that we've done, the things that we've said, the things that we've thought, the things that we've left undone that we should have uh, done for God's goodness and glory. So I just want to take a moment to just still our hearts, to reflect on God's goodness, to receive his mercy. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. This beautiful prayer from King David, a man who knew God's heart and knew he needed to be faithful, who knew his own sin and error, but also knew God's mercy and graciousness. God who forgives. He prayed this. Let's make this our prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We say together. Lord our God, in our sin we have avoided your call. Our love for you is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Have mercy on us, deliver us from judgment, bind up our wounds and revive us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So may the God of all healing and forgiveness draw you to himself, cleanse you from all your sins, that you may behold the glory of his son, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm just going to pray the collect for today, the prayer for today. Let's pray. Almighty God, by the power and by the prayer and discipline of Lent, may we enter into the mystery of Christ's sufferings and by following in his way, come to share in his glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to um, hear our readings and then I'm going to share some thoughts in this uh, season of Lent that we're in. Um, my friend David is going to read to us this morning. So let's enjoy these readings together. Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. 
Abraham fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Colossians chapter 2 I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Mark chapter 8 Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. In today's Gospel reading, following the kind of stir that Jesus is creating and the buzz um, on the first century, I guess, equivalent of social media, local tavern gossip and marketplace gossip, Jesus poses this question to his disciples, to his friends. Who do you think I am? 
But the setting of this conversation is actually important as well, I think. The question is posed in Caesarea Philippi, way north of Jerusalem, way north even of Galilee, um, which is, and it perhaps seems like an odd place to, or at least a random place to kind of go for this lesson on Jesus's identity. But interestingly, Caesarea Philippi was actually a hotbed of religious experimentation. Everything from paganism to all sorts of Greek uh, religions and gods. And it also became a prominent place for the temple devoted to the newest pagan god, the Roman emperor himself. So amongst all this religious dabbling and deities and gods and confusion, Jesus asked the question and they answer. Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And it's a good question. And we may well want to ask it again today. What might the answers be? Shepherd, teacher, king, messiah, lord, god. And it leads to the real heart of the matter because Jesus then nails his disciples by asking them, but who do you say I am? Now, we may not have obviously been with Jesus in the same way his disciples were, but Jesus's question to Peter is a question that Jesus continues to ask us and those all about us 2,000 years later. He asks it to you. He asks it to me. He asks it through scripture. He asks it of our friends and neighbours. He asks it through pain and suffering and joy and in triumph and all the circumstances of life that we face. Who do you say I am? It's a question that many of us probably figure we've looked at in the past and answered and we're pretty much done with it. Many of you will have been followers of Jesus for a long time, I know, for years. We know all the answers, don't we? We know that Jesus died so that the bad things we've done can be forgiven and the bad things that others have done to us can be healed and forgiven. We know that Jesus is the answer to the world's problems, even if we're not completely sure theologically how all of that works. But for those of us whom Jesus' question is a familiar one, the danger is that we answer too quickly. By rote, we know who Jesus is a long-haired, willowy lamb-carrying, blue-eyed Jesus from Sunday school classes, or Jesus we know from our reading, or a lifetime of sermons or church. The danger is one that's symbolised by Peter. We know deep down that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter found himself blurting that out, didn't he? Uh, That was an incredible revelation from heaven to him. But the trouble is we don't really understand necessarily what that looks like or what that means. Israel was waiting for a mighty messianic conqueror to wipe out the Romans and restore power to the nation, to save a people, to save their face. What Peter had no glimpse of was the bigger global picture that Jesus had actually come to liberate the entire world, to save every people from every country throughout the whole of human history, to deliver on the promise made to Abraham so many generations before. You and I, we are part of that answered promise. And so Jesus wasn't expecting a bruised, blooded, crucified history changer that resets the whole of human history. And the real danger of familiar texts like this is that we don't realise that the question really is being addressed to you, to me. Who do you say I am, Jesus asks of us. Because he wants you to know who he is. He wants you to know not just about him, but most importantly, to know him. And in knowing him, to daily walk with him as your Lord and friend. Amos 3 verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And that's what God invites Abraham to. 
I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you. You see, it's an ongoing longing and an open invitation from the Father for you and I to walk with him. That's what Christianity is. Not following a set of religious rules or doctrines, not slavishly striving to adhere to religious texts or laws. The simple but profound invitation Jesus made to his first disciples is the same one he makes to us daily. Follow me. Follow me to find freedom. Follow me to find hope. Follow me to find peace. Follow me to find life. Follow me, says Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. And that was never supposed to be a one-moment event. No, it's an ongoing journey, isn't it? Colossians 2.6 says this. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And one of the things that most excites me about our walk with God is that it was never meant to be alone. We journey together as God's people, as family. Family is everything. Which is why, of course, this lockdown has been so so hard for so many people in terms of church community. I mean, praise God for technology, even when we have a few problems with it. But Zoom and YouTube and live streaming, and despite their limitations and difficulties for some people I know, these things have given us some ongoing connection and fellowship, which we're really thankful for. Hopefully not long till we can begin to meet together. But it's important Ephesians 2.22 says, in him, in Jesus, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We heard this beautiful verse this morning from Colossians, or as my friend David says, Colossians, uh, that I want to close with. It's been in my head for over a week now. It's the wonderful prayer from St. Paul, and it's my prayer for all of you, for the church, the church at large. Listen to this, Colossians 2.2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Listen to the New Living Translation. I really like it. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Colossians 2.2, 2, you see, it talks about being knit together in love. I, I don't knit, but from what I understand, this is a really good word to use, knit, because the Greek word for that is translated as knit is a word sombabadzo, sombibadzo, and it means driven together, forced together, knit together, united. We talk of a close-knit community, don't we? That's God's heart for us, encouraged together in heart, knit together in love. That's what I lead church for. That's what I long for more than anything in the communities that I'm part of. Shoulder to shoulder, back to back, covering, protecting, blessing, honouring, watching over and out for one another. Serving, loving, encouraging and championing each other. Supporting, nurturing, laughing with and weeping with each other. Praying for and learning from one another. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and loving our neighbour. And that sort of heavenly community of love has enormous power. It's not just nice. It can transform our lives, our community 
and the world all around us. Just a final illustration. Following um, Hurricane Katrina back in the States, I think it was in 2005, back in New Orleans, uh, scientists made this really, really interesting discovery. Out of a mass of some 700 oak trees throughout the community, evergreen oaks or live oaks as they're called there, well, out of this 700 trees, despite the catastrophic devastation, only four were lost. Why? Well, scientists have discovered that a grove of oak trees living together is so much stronger than a single tree because the deep roots become intertwined with their neighboring trees. We know a tree's real strength doesn't depend on the tree itself because the strength is in the roots. That, of course, speaks of our utter dependency of abiding and being rooted in Christ. But more than that, nature shows us and evidences this fundamental biblical truth that we as disciples of Christ are so much stronger and healthier and safer when we have deep roots of love that are truly knit together with our brothers and sisters. Households of faith, if you like, knit together in love and unity, strengthened by one another, held firm in the storms of life that rage around us. So as we come to communion in a moment to celebrate and give thanks at the communion table for Christ's sacrificing of his life for us, we remember the words that are spoken at the breaking of bread. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share, joined, connected, united together in the spirit to the glory of God. We share in one bread. Though we're many, we are one body. As Jesus himself longed and prayed in John 17, may we in these troubled days with our roots beginning to connect and join and support one another, as we walk with him, may we learn that the only way to truly live and love is as one. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in these days of trouble and trial and difficulty, your plan all along was for your church to truly be one. As we're rooted in Christ, we find ourselves rooted and connected together with our brothers and sisters, held firm and supporting one another as the storms come. And after the battle has been waged, to find ourselves still standing. We thank you for the strength that you give to us and the strength that we receive from our family our church community. May we truly become a community of love and family. May church not be an institution, but a living dynamic family, founded in love and rooted into you. In Jesus' precious holy name, we pray. Amen. We're going to affirm that faith that we hold in Christ, that hope that we have in him, the living hope, as we say together the Apostles' Creed. Let's say this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. 
On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Jill is going to lead us now in a time of intercession and prayer. So let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear us when we pray in faith. Father, we pray for all Christians across the world engaged in worship today. Those worshipping on their own, those worshipping in family groups, and those using social media to connect with others in worship, nationally or internationally. May all feel supported and strengthened by the light of your presence in their lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for those in positions of authority with all the responsibility that entails. We pray for a deeper understanding and tolerance between nations so they can draw near in a spirit of friendship, working together not only to help overcome the current challenges we face, but in the interests of a better world where love and peace reign supreme. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for our local community. In particular, we pray for all key workers, those taking personal risks in healthcare settings, those taking personal risks in the delivery of services which help sustain our basic needs, those taking personal risks in delivering education and those taking personal risks in keeping our transport systems running. Watch over them, Lord. Give them the courage and resilience to continue with their work whilst remaining safe. And may your living spirit envelop and uphold them. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Father, we pray for all who are ill, for those recovering from surgery, and for the many who depend on others for life and movement. We stand alongside the multitude of people grieving for a loved one lost the coronavirus. May your healing power, Lord, bring comfort to them in their distress. And may we do all we can to show our compassion by lending our practical and emotional support to these your children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Father, we give thanks for the emerging optimism we are witnessing as day by day our more elderly and vulnerable members of society can see a future where once more they can meet with family, friends or other support networks so vital to them in bringing comfort and purpose to their lives. 
and in the words of John chapter 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love, you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ, you shared our life, that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross and made for all the perfect sacrifice for sin. On the night he was betrayed at supper with his friends, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. So as we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. And with your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven, saying together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. As Jesus taught his friends, as they sought how to pray, they looked at him and saw his prayerful life. Jesus taught his friends this prayer, and so we too pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. So remembering those words as we're rooted together in Christ. 
we break this bread to share in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. Some of you in a moment may wish to share in an act of remembrance by eating some bread at home, agape style. But let's pray this prayer for those who are receiving this spiritual communion. Thanks be to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits you have given me, for all the pains and insults you have borne for me. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, I, come to, I ask you to come spiritually into my heart. O merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may I know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen. Almighty God, you see that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your disciples, I am with you always. Be with me today as I offer myself to you. Hear my prayers for others and for myself and keep me in your care. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, help me to trust you. Help me to know that you are with me. Help me to believe that nothing can separate me from your love revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for this service of communion uh, together. May you be encouraged this week. May you feel deeply rooted in Christ and connected to your wider family, whether that be here in this community in Whitcomb, in Bath or beyond, wherever you may be watching from. You are never alone, for though we're many, we're one body, Christ as our head, rooted in him, connected to one another. We're going to finish in a moment with a final hymn, but these words of dismissal as we go. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go from this YouTube connection in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen. <laughs>